Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 127 of X-Lapsed, where we've got... Boy, we've got a lot of fights to cover today. Um, this is a uh, an embarrassment of riches as it comes to uh, contest of championship bouts here. Uh, let's get right into it. This is X-Force, volume 6, number 14. Had a January 2021 cover date. The story is X of Swords, chapter 17. Written by Benjamin Percy and Jerry Duggan, with art by Joshua Kassara. Colors, Guru EFX. Letters, VCs, Joe Caramagna. Designs, Tom Muller. Head of X's Hickman. Edit, Samaro Basso, White, Sabolski. Cover price, $3.99. And this one went on sale November 18th of 2020. And uh, this is actually the first script that I wrote at the new house. I'm recording it at the old house because we are... Ridiculous and are living between two homes right now, but this is the first, uh, this is, you know, X-Force number, uh, what is this, 14, is the first comic book to go into my new house. How, how about that? That's that's a little bit of Chris trivia that uh, I don't even care about it, so I, I shouldn't expect anyone else to, but let's get right into this here. Uh, let's look at the cover first. We've got some X-Men on the cover. we got Cyclops, Jean Grey, Professor X, and Beast. They're all in the reflection of the Muramasa Blade. I mean, does it does this does this figure that Cyclops was successful in psychically connecting with magic, and he, and now he's just going to be able to send the rest of the team to help out? No, no, it's it's just a cover. It's just a cover, meaningless as uh, many of them are. Now we open with a rematch between Magic and Pog or Pog. And just like the first time, they both ready their swords for battle, only to be advised by the interdimensional witch queen that, uh, say it with me, they won't be needing them here. You see, this is going to be an unarmed competition. And so Pog immediately eats magic. Well, you might think that's the end, but uh, you'd be wrong. Instead, magic manages to wrestle her way out of the giant crocodile man's belly, and we learn something about him as well. You see, he's not. Pogger Pog is actually not a giant crocodile man. Rather, he's a tiny little goblin man wearing a crocodile man suit as armor. So Magic either beats little Pog or Pog gets disqualified for not battling completely unarmed. Whatever the case, it's another one for the good guys. We've got Arako 5, Krakoa 3. And, uh... Pogger Pog is kind of an idiot, isn't he? I mean, if he—I mean, he had to have known that he's just a little goblin man. Why would he eat magic? Uh, why would he put magic right there where? I don't know. Roll call: Saturnine, and then our rest of our—the rest of our uh, characters here are broken up into their teams. So we've got the Corcoan champions, which include Magic, 
Kid Cable, Cypher, Storm, Wolverine, and X'd out Betsy Britton, Captain Avalon, Apocalypse, and Gorgon. Then our Iraqi champions are War, the White Sword of the Ivory Spire, an X'd out Creepy Summoner, Red Root the Forest, Solemn Death, Iska the Unbeaten, Bay the Blood Moon Annihilation, and Pogger Pog. Double page spread of creds, and then comics, and it's montage time. Now this is weird. Uh, we get uh, to see single panels, right? And each of them describe another contest between our champions. So these battles that we've been building to for something like 300 pages now, one panel each. <clears throat> okay, let's do this. First, what looks to be a competition to see who can withstand the most torture. Now, this pits Captain Avalon, Cable, and Gorgon versus War, and War wins. So, our score is now Arako 6 to Krakoa's 3. Then, a Sisyphus challenge of sorts here, rolling a rock up a hillside. And this is a rather uneven affair. We've got Arako having Iska the Unbeaten, Pog Ur Pog, who's back in his gator pajamas, and the Horseman Death versus Little Ilyana. Uh, it's worth noting that Iska the Unbeaten is very clearly in third place here. I wonder if anybody caught that. Uh, whatever the case, Arako wins. Arako 7, Krakoa 3. Next, it's an undersea something or another. And we see Iska and the White Sword versus Gorgon. Now, Arako wins whatever the hell this was. Uh, maybe it was a race, maybe it was a fight. I don't know. It really doesn't seem to matter all that much. Arako 8, Krakoa 3. Next, an eating contest, because you knew there would have to be one. We had a drinking one, so stands to reason we're going to get an eating one. And, uh, oh boy, it's gross. Uh, we've got Red Root the Forest versus Cypher, Captain Avalon, and Kid Cable. And it looks like they're having to eat worms, brains, and eyeballs. Somehow, the scoreboard says that the good guys are able to win this, though uh, that's really not what it looks like in the art. Uh, the art makes it look like the fellas are all sickened while Red Root is reveling in the nastiness. Ah, maybe we'll learn something more about that in just a little bit. Whatever the case, our scoreboard reads Arako 8, Krakoa 4. Then, a dance contest. I mean, they're, they're just screwing with us at this point. Um, it's Bay and War versus Wolverine and Cypher in a dance-off. Cypher is doing his Disco Dazzler best here, but still can't manage to eke out the win. Arako 9, Krakoa 4. Next, we've got a panel featuring an Escher-esque maze. You know, stairways going all sorts of places. Just uh, The physics of it are just, is just all over the place, right? You, you know what I'm talking about. We've got Red Root and Pog or Pog versus Captain Avalon and Storm. Arako wins. We don't see how. Probably doesn't matter. Arako 10, Krakoa 4. Then, another gimme. We got Gorgon and Magic putting together a jigsaw puzzle. And it's a uh, it's actually a puzzle that depicts the Green Lagoon back in Krakoa, that double-page spread we saw. Uh, I don't remember which issue it was, but I remember gushing about it because I thought it looked really cool. And it, you know, it's a puzzle here, and it looks pretty cool, too. Uh, Krakoa wins because, duh, they're both Krakoan. So, Arako 10, Krakoa 5. Then, oh, come on, a fashion show? Yeah, it's a runway fashion show, and it's Wolverine and Storm versus Red Root and War. 
Rocco wins. Rocco 10, Krakoa... F- I'm sorry, Rocco 11, Krakoa 5. Next, Cable and Magic are shown trying to follow a map somewhere. And they somehow still lose the contest. I'm not sure who they were up against here, but I guess it doesn't much matter. I'm supposing it wasn't Araki that they were against, but uh, Araco gets the point. Araco 12, Krakoa 5. So, uh, anybody ready for some actual, like, sequential art now? Some story? Because uh, we've actually got a little bit of that coming up here, if you, if you believe it. Now, we've got Captain Avalon. We join him here, and he's getting, like, a ton of panel time this issue. He's at the Crooked Market, where he's readying for the next round of competition. He's approached by Saturnine, who once again attempts to entice him into reclaiming his role as Captain Britain. Since, you know, Betsy's gone to bits. Now, Brian ain't feeling it, and he tells the witch to stay away from him. Instead, she decides to taunt him with the Furies. Which, as a huge fan of those old Brian vs. the Fury stories, uh, it really tickles me. Now on to the duel. Brian is going to face off in a foot race versus Red Root the Forest. Mad Jim Jaspers fire, fires the signal pistol to start the race through the Crooked Market. Now, this would look like it might be a gimme for Brian, since Red Root is, you know, a tree. But Saturnine has other plans. You see, suddenly the Furies attack. They dogpile the captain, and Red Root just saunters towards the finish line. Unfortunately for Red Root, uh, they happen to knock a glass idol off, the ca- off a counter along the way, which uh, Mad Jim Jaspers makes note of. Anyway, Red Root wins the race, and so it is Arako 13 to Krakoa's 5. Once the contest is over, however, Jaspers informs Red Root of their folly in knocking over the idol, which is apparently crafted from the salt of an Ubagonian princess's tears. Red Root offers to pay for it, only to learn that it was... Dun-dun-dun... Priceless. Now, the Furies continue blasting Brother Brian until Saturnine sends them away, because, you know, the damage has already been done. He's lost the match. Jaspers then uses some hoodoo to shrink Red Root down to action figure size, then captures them in a little glass jar for their, uh, debt, I guess. Now, while on the subject of damages, Opal Luna then turns to Brian to inform him that he will be held responsible for the damages done to the Crooked Market by his fracas with the Furies. She threatens him with debtor's prison, unless, of course, he asks her for help in making things right. Then we have an info page. It's a rundown of the last several bouts with liner notes from Mojo, who is looking to use these events to create some entertaining streaming video. Even though we just read all this stuff, let's go down the list anyway. Uh, Betsy Britton lost to Iska a couple episodes ago, Excalibur number 13, and uh, Mojo in his notes suggests that this would make for a great television cliffhanger. Would it, though? Maybe not. Magic lost to Pogger Pog in the arm wrestling match, but beats him in their rematch. Mojo suggests that maybe, when they uh, dramatize this, they have Magic lose both Magic, and then becoming Pog's love interest. Ugh. Wolverine and the Summoner fought to the death, enough said. The dance contest. Cypher danced well, but not well enough, and Mojo suggests that they could spin this off into a headshot TV program. An eating competition, where we we do find out here that Red Root actually did win, right? Now, which, if I were convinced that the points awarded in these bouts meant absolutely anything at all, I'd probably be a little bit more anal about this, but really, who cares? Uh, Mojo considers this to be lowbrow entertainment, which is high praise indeed. 
drinking contest. Storm and Wolverine got drunk. We saw it. The Runway Walk-Off. Now, this is the fashion show where Wolverine commanded everyone's attention by being so uncomfortable, but Krakoa still lost. Then Wolverine, quote, loses again in winning a point for the Arako team when he subbed for Solemn. So it would seem that the word of this uh, contest of champions has, you know, started to spread, right? Uh, uh, Mojo does have a person on the inside who is feeding this information, so gotta wonder how far and wide uh, the contest of champions has, uh, has gone as far as, you know, word of mouth and whatnot. Let's get back to montage mode, right? We got a few more rapid-fire bouts to deal with here. First, Magic loses a spelling bee by misspelling the word magic because, you know, she spells it with a K instead of a C. And, uh, Rocco 14, Krakoa 5. Wolverine versus the White Sword in a staring contest of sorts. You see, they're both stood before magic mirrors where they will see everyone they've ever killed and the first to look away loses. Now, they're both doing really good until Wolverine blinks. He blinks when a tear rolls down his cheek because he... Unlike the White Sword, he has a conscience, I guess. And unfortunately, that costs him the bout here. He loses. So we are up to Arako 15, Krakoa 5. Next, Gorgon tries to have sex with a rock. Not the rock, a rock. Like a stone. And uh, no, I'm not kidding. Uh, somehow that costs uh, Krakoa a point. So Arako 16, Krakoa 5. Next, Captain Avalon versus War in a contest to... Kill a kitten That's what we're doing uh, Brian refuses, naturally And so it's another point for Arako So Arako 17 To Krakoa's 5 Next up, an info page And it's all about Blightswill And this is the uh, the brew that Logan and Aurora Drank last chapter, I think uh, We found out that it renders Drinkers powerless You know, We saw that happen with Wolverine losing his healing factor Before the battle with War last chapter why we needed an info page to tell us what we already saw? Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna say anything. Let's get back to comics, and we actually get another scene, not just a montage. We're in Sevalith. Now, this is the zombie realm of Otherworld, and we're about to have a battle between Storm and Death. Storm is still quite drunk, and since she had the bright the blight swill, she's also powerless. And this suddenly makes Death's involvement in last issue's scene make a bit more sense. It seems he wanted her to be a bit inebriated and powerless in order to have the edge here. And before they fight, Death does offer Storm the opportunity to forfeit, to which she tells him to go screw himself. And so Death swipes at her with his black bone of Amdwat, which uh, is so sharp that it cuts off some of Storm's ponytail. Now, Storm's hair does have a habit of getting in the way during her battles. It's happened a few times already. Uh, Death removes his helmet to give Storm the doom gaze, uh, but she blocks and reflects it with the Stormbringer? Is, it, is that the sword she has? The Wakandan Blade, whatever the hell it's called. With Death all dizzified, it's pretty academic. Storm runs him through with her sword, thus winning the fight. She then invites the zombie horde to feast on Death's blood. So uh, we wrap up with Arako 17 to Krakoa's 6. We wrap the issue with a quote page from Solemn saying something that I really don't care much about. That's it here. Next episode, thank goodness, it's Hellions number six. So let's talk about this issue. And uh, unfortunately, it's kind of one that defies analysis in, in a lot of ways here. Um, I'll say straight away I had a really good time with it. Um, it is 
that stuff insane. It's all over the place. I should hate it, but I didn't. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, my main takeaway, though, is I, I guess it kind of ekes on the negative side here because it goes back to pacing. Um, pacing is important in, in stories, right? I mean, long, short, self-contained, ongoing, whatever the case here, pacing is very, very important. And uh, we dealt with, I think I mentioned here, like, this story has been going on for about 300 pages to this point. And that does not include the Path 2 X of Swords, the Preludes, the Free Comic Book Day. It doesn't include any of that. This event here is very, very long. And I, I don't so much question the logic, but I can't help but feel a little put off by the fact that we've been building to these fights, right? That, that's like been the whole point of this. We're getting to these fights. Of course, the fights are not what we thought they were going to be. But suffice it to say, we were expecting some attention to be paid to these fights. And we had the page here where... Over the course of a two-page spread, we did, like, eight battles in two pages. And we we ratcheted up the points, and I see that, and it's like, okay, that's funny. It's it's funny because these events don't really require a whole lot of story. I mean, some of them were a bit vague, but there were opportunities there for... Whimsy for comedy. I mean, Captain Avalon eating, you know, brains and eyeballs. I mean, there's this a possibility for humor there, uh, especially with uh, someone like Duggan writing it. Um, magic chasing a rock down a hill. There's opportunities there for humor. Um, let's contrast that with the first, like two thirds of this story, this uh, of this event, where we spent two entire issues getting Wolverine his sword. Two whole issues procuring a sword, and these battles are getting a single panel. We spent an entire issue with Doug practicing with a sword that he may never get to use, or may never have to use, and the battle gets a single, sing, uh, the battle gets a single panel. Cable, Cyclops, and Jean spend an entire issue looking at a door that has aliens in it, a and our <laughs> our battles are getting one panel. It feels very, very unsatisfying, is, is what I'm taking the, uh, the scenic route to try to say here. And while I, I've, I've given up having a problem with the method of the battles here, you know, an eating contest, okay, a fashion show, whatever, a drinking contest, do it, banging a rock, okay, fine. That's the story we're getting. For me to complain about that would be futile because... We're dealing with an interdimensional space witch or witch queen or whatever the hell I've been calling her. This is going to be a whimsical sort of um, Alan Davis-y otherworld sort of a sort of a take. And I mean, I can't get mad at it for being what it is, but I can kind of be annoyed at the fact that this whole back half has felt truncated when the entire front half felt so bloated, so bloated, so unnecessary. And so unsatisfying. And it only makes this back portion, where things are just being rushed into place, feel even more haphazard. Um, maybe this is a meta thing. Maybe we're supposed to feel, like, off-kilter and stuff. But 
you guys know me. I think way too hard on these things, and uh, all I can do is see see the seams showing, and uh, makes it a little difficult to analyze these stories um, and give them the proper due, despite the fact that I spend so much damn time with them. But uh, I will say I walk away from this issue um, mostly happy, mostly happy. It was very silly. It was gorgeous to look at. Um, Really, I've said it before, and I'm sure I'll say it again, uh, Jerry Duggan is just murdering it, right? He's killing it here. He's doing the heavy lifting, in my opinion. And that's not intended as a slight toward any of the other creators here, but Duggan is just doing exceptionally well, uh, getting my interest, keeping my interest, and making me look forward to uh, subsequent issues here, which there are times where uh, (laughs) that is not the case on this program. Um, There are times where I see what book we're about to read next, and... I, I, I am the opposite of excited. So uh, hats off to uh, to Mr. Duggan for uh, keeping me excited and keeping me motivated to continue along the uh, X of Ten's path here. But uh, don't really have much more to say about this one. It was wild. It was fun. It was beautiful. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're still reading X of Ten's, this is more of what uh, more of what we've been trained to expect after reading Excalibur and uh, Wolverine. So. It is what it is. I had a good time with it. And, of course, Hellions is next. And uh, who could have a problem with that? Certainly not this guy. But uh, that's all I got to say about X-Force number 14. Uh, let's hop into the mailbag before we jam out today. We're going to start with Damien, who's talking about X of Swords, Stasis number 1. Now, he says... This issue is probably the most important of the entire crossover, as it sets up all the key characters and settings for the rest of the story. Like the X-Men issue that preceded it, there is too much exposition that I personally would have preferred to have spread over numerous issues, but it's pretty much all pertinent. We need to know that Otherworld is unstable and that the various regions are jockeying for position. We need to know that the Arachonians, or Iraqis, have different agendas, and we need to see the Krakoans arriving. All true. All true. Um, it was definitely a necessary chapter. It certainly was. Um, I would have preferred that it had come maybe six chapters before it did. <laughs> but uh, it, it feels just like... Uh, it's one of those things where like, I wish I could take this issue out in a vacuum, right? And just judge it for what it is and not judge it, not judge it against everything that it's not. And everything that it took to get there. You know, I'm weighing my appreciation of Stasis against the previous ten chapters plus the preludes plus the path twos, and it's just like, finally, we're we're you know we're doing something that isn't hunting for a sword or arguing or getting a rehash of the same history lesson that we just got. So I think for me. Because, I mean, it was very, very expositional. It was, I think the comment I made during the discussion was like, hey, this is just a list of lists. It's like, hey, here's all your new swords. Here's all the new characters you don't care about yet. Here's all these areas you don't care about yet. And here's these cards that we don't, uh, that are that are kind of vague, but kind of make sense, but they're here. Um, to me, that felt a little underwhelming after everything that we had done to get there. It's like... Can we just start fighting already? Can we please just start doing something? And I don't need to see lists. I don't, because I, I, I think another another comment I said there is that so much of that issue could have just been info pages. And that's not something I ever asked for. 
but it could have been, and it could have saved us a lot of time. Damien continues, Once again, I love the use of tarot cards. I remember how the predictions set off the fan community to come up with the theories of what was going to happen. My favorite being the write-ups by Paul O'Brien, who used to do the X-Axis and really pulled together the past continuity that could be reflected. And Paul O'Brien is, uh, he is a giant among X-Men commentators here. Uh, I grew up on his stuff, which makes us both feel ancient, or <laughs> makes us both sound ancient. Uh, every Sunday afternoon, the X-Axis would come up on Usenet, and I, it was destination reading for me. I loved it. Uh, Paul O'Brien, not a fellow I've ever talked to, um, but I owe a lot of my method to his write-ups and his style, and uh, and I feel like I've actually learned a lot because, like you said here, he pulls together so much stuff. It's been a little while since I've been to, uh, I think he's at House to Astonish right now. It's been a little while since I've been there. But uh, it's always it's always been bookmarked. <laughs> it's one of those things that it's like I always mean to get to. But uh, he is an absolute giant among X-Men commentators. I just love his work. If you've never read a Paul O'Brien piece, do yourself a favor and uh, and Google, you know, Paul O'Brien, the X-Axis. And that's O'Brien with an E, not an A. So check it out. Uh, definitely recommend it here. Um, he's got reviews going back to the mid to late 90s. And uh, they're great. They're fantastic. He, he does. A, he was doing indexes for a while, too, where he would uh, like kind of annotate um, the early X-Men issues. And I think even into Volume 2. He would annotate them, and fantastic stuff. Uh, O'Brien, is, he's, he's fantastic. Huge, huge fan. Huge fan. Uh, Damien continues, I worry more and more that Exitens might break you. <laughs> I loved it, but it does take a few surprising turns, which may irritate you as you're already annoyed by the inconsequential nature of certain elements. Then again, you are the world's biggest Jeff the Landshark fan, so maybe you'll enjoy the more weirdo elements. You know, um, when I was covering Stasis, I worried the same... I, I had the same worry. That Exitens was going to just... I, I was just going to have to stop. Especially, you know, after the the repeat of uh, X-Men number 12 in X-Men number 14, which I think followed Stasis, or it was an issue or two after Stasis. And I was just like, okay, how how can I do this for another... You know, 10 episodes or 11 or 12 episodes, whatever it was going to be. And then Marauders happened. And I loved it. And we got two Marauders in a row, and they were fantastic. Then we got, like, this bat crap stuff with the actual bouts. And while I was a little cold on it at first, I've I've learned to stop worrying and accept the weirdness. Let the, uh, the weirdness wave, you know, flow over me. And uh, just take it for what it is and try to enjoy it as best I can here. So... I'm coming out of this right now. Uh, what is this? 17 chapters in. Neutral to positive. <laughs> that's that's where we are right now. Neutral to positive, which is a much better place than I thought we were going to be when I read Stasis. I figured I'd be negative to absolutely loathing it. <laughs> I didn't think neutral was even going to be an option. Uh, Damien wraps up with, The Annihilation Genesis reveal set me off wondering if Annihilation was related to Malice. I could see Malice as a daughter of Annihilation. It's not that big a stretch. It's a little unfortunate, considering that the only character wearing a face covering is a villain. Anyway, until I remove my mask to, re- to reveal I'm not really evil, make mine X lapsed. 
Uh, you know, uh, it's been a long time since I thought about malice. It's been ages. And there certainly could be something to that. There could be. Um, I mean, the gimmicks are similar, aren't they? So that wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if we do find something like that out. But thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on that issue, and thank you for sticking with me, even though it seemed like I uh, might be about to throw in the towel there for a minute. So thank you so much. Uh, next, uh, Jason, he sent me the page from New Mutants 13, which lampshaded Cypher's Wedding, which I'll admit 100% here, I didn't pay much mind to when I first read it in New Mutants number 13. Uh, it's a scene where Magic was saying, like, uh, you know, she was, she was hitting him, and he said, uh, not to hit him in the face. And she said, well, I'd worry more about your face if I was getting you ready for a wedding and not a funeral. And uh, here we are, just a little bit later, and he's a... I don't know if he's a happily wedded man, but he is a wedded man. So there is that. So thank you for, uh, for sending that over, Jason. I really appreciate it. Uh, next, Andrew Franklin talking about Ex of Swords chapters 13 through 16. He says, well, apparently Saturnine's contest is the otherworld version of whose line is it anyway? The game show where everything is made up and the points don't matter. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good uh, comparison there. It's totally whose line is it anyway? It's Boy, yeah, not everything is made up on the fly, it seems. And um, we've got points, but who the hell knows if they're leading anywhere. Andrew continues, Captain Britain's shattering defeat took me by surprise, but I feel like whatever stakes we had built up to by that point were dashed after that. I'm confused why Doug had a wedding. I know his tarot card alluded to that, but why? It felt very random. And how does one lose at a wedding? Speaking of random, Ileana has an arm wrestling contest. Why? Logan and Storm drink each other under the table as a gimme round. <sighs> At this point, I'm just glad the cross-off is almost over because I don't care about what's happening. I'm trying to enjoy this for what it is, but after many chapters of filler, to now have this contest be a series of seemingly random happenings, it's hard to find anything to invest in. I agree. I agree here. I'm, I'm trying to... Like I've been saying, I'm trying to just accept it for what it is right now. And uh, I, I, what I say, I put down my, my card of... You know, cloud of yelling at card from the tarot deck. I'm trying to just let myself go and and try to forget about the you know 50 hours I spent reading, writing, and analyzing and and performing the shows for uh, the first two thirds of this event, and uh, just accept it for what it is here. I I mean, how does one lose a wedding? Did Saturnine think that Doug was just going to be like, nope, I'm out, and then he would lose? Or was it a was it like a was it like a game of chicken? Like if Bay the Blood Moon said no, or if they understood that she said no, because who could understand her? Then she would lose. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it is really hard to believe that. This is going to wind up any way besides some Krakoans and Iraqis teaming up to face Saturnine at the end of this, because she's screwing with everybody. I could be completely wrong. Maybe there is or are more shoes yet to drop, but uh, I haven't said that in a while, have I? Uh, but I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. I mean, we are here, so we're, we're here. <laughs> uh, Andrew continues. Complaints aside, these couple of books were at least mildly enjoyable to read, much more so than most of the first half of the crossover. Most of that is no doubt because Jerry Duggan co-wrote three of the four books. Amen. 
If anything, if I take anything away from this whole thing, it will be a huge appreciation for just how good of a writer Jerry Duggan is. I didn't love the dinner party two-parter, two-parter as much as you did, but it was nice to see the other mutants get some personality. I thought all the little scenes and chats were well written, and and like you, the fake out with Logan's glimpse into the future got me. It was a neat trick. Captain Betsy shattering the way she did was a cool visual, like a pane of glass. I suspect that Betsy isn't dead, but just in pieces and will be able to be put back together, bypassing her death altogether. The psychedelic Blightspoke portion was likewise a cool visual. And in hindsight, I find what Saturnine did to Logan kind of funny. Sure, he won't lose to war, but he'll definitely suffer before he can manage a win. A delightfully bitchy move on her part. And, uh, yes, you, you said a lot there. You said a lot there. First, Jerry Duggan, killing it. <laughs> uh, I, I feel so bad for discounting him when we started this because all I had read of Duggan's was, uh, was some Deadpool. And it was no fault of his own, um, but the story was very, very heavily reliant on S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, Deadpool had a dead S.H.I.E.L.D. agent in his body brain or something like that shared a body with this dead shield agent and i was just so over shield at the time that i i just didn't care and um when i saw that jerry duggan was on marauders i was like oh it's a deadpool guy (laughs) and i was a little i was a little trepidatious but i mean marauders has blown me away more often than not um and uh, cable has been just amazing and the uh his participation in Exitens has been phenomenal. It's really, really helped to to keep me invested here. So, really well done by Mr. Duggan there. Uh, the fake out with uh, Wolverine's glimpse into the future, great gimmick, great gimmick. Um, they even gave us like like we saw. They gave us a roll call page and made us think that this was the issue we were going to get. And uh, we know Marvel. That could have been the issue we would have gotten. And, and like our friend Walt said a couple episodes back, that could have been an, a miniseries Marvel would have given us uh, in a different time or under different circumstances. So thankfully, they did not. I still wonder about uh, the Mora and Mora's No Place mention. I wonder if that'll ever come back to... Uh, that chicken will ever come back to roost. Uh, Andrew continues, Sadly, we're at a point in our reading where Marvel Unlimited can't keep up. I think they add new titles every week, and right now Wolverine number 7 is the latest that they have. So those of us reading on Marvel Unlimited will probably have to stockpile some episodes until they add the comics. And yeah, that's uh, that's what our friend Evan said last episode, that uh, Wolverine number 7 is it for our Marvel Unlimited friends, at least as of this recording. Hopefully, I mean today, as I record this, is a Wednesday. I don't know what day uh, Marvel do- decides to update um the unlimited site i would assume maybe it's wednesday since wednesday's new comic day but i guess we'll see hopefully hopefully they are vigilant and hopefully they at least get us all through the x of tens event so folks who are following will be able to get that whole story uh, for better or for worse just get the whole story uh, Andrew wraps up with, that's all I've got for now. So until Apocalypse and Genesis play a game of Street Fighter as a main event, make my next lapsed. I, I mean, Apocalypse has huge hands. I don't know if he could pull off like a, a Sonic Boom or a Hadouken, right? Uh, be, uh, I think uh, uh, old Genesis would have... Uh, well, Genesis is also named Genesis, and there was a version of Street Fighter on Genesis, so she, she'd have the edge in, in multiple ways in that situation. But uh, I definitely appreciate your uh, your letter there, Andrew, and hopefully... 
like I said, hopefully Marvel Unlimited will dump a bunch more X-10s into its coffers so you guys can uh, you guys can still follow along with the program. But thank you. Thank you so much. We're going to wrap up with uh, a very, very deep letter here. Um, our friend Evan. This one's about Excalibur number 14. And uh, it's one word. One word about Excalibur number 14. And it's what? <laughs> and yes, my friend. What indeed. Excalibur number 14 was a trip. It was definitely a trip. And when I first read it, I... I wasn't even sure how I was going to deliver it on the program, but uh, like I said, I'm trying to be uh, trying to be a little bit more open-minded about what we're going to get here and accepting things for what they are. So uh, I kind of appreciate Excalibur number fourteen now. I don't love it. <laughs> I certainly don't love it. Maybe if Jerry Duggan co-wrote it, I'd love it. But uh, I uh, I can appreciate it for at least setting the wheels in motion for the wackiness and bat stuff insanity that uh, we're going to be getting, or have been getting, and who knows what we'll be getting to come. But uh, thank you for your <laughs> your thoughts on that, Evan. And uh, just like I said with Andrew, hopefully Marvel Unlimited will, uh, will have our backs here and uh, help keep you guys uh, up to speed with uh, the Exitens action here. But that is where we'll stop for today. Uh, if anybody out there would like to get a hold of me and uh, say hey or howdy or how you do, uh, you could do so a few different ways here. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics, or you can shoot me an email over to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. You can find blog posts and show notes over at chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. Also, there's xlaps the dot, chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. You can chat us up on Facebook. Our group is 90s X-Men, and you can listen to over 500 programs at the Chris and Reggie channel, chrisandreggie.podbean.com. Well, that'll do it for the plugs. I think I got through them without stammering too much. That's uh, I guess that's something that doesn't happen terribly often, so we will take the win where we can get it. Uh, I would like to thank you all so, so much for sharing your time with me and joining me on this uh, X of Tens journey. And uh, till next time, as always, I'll talk to you all again real soon. See ya.